Atonement for Me, Episode 9, Self-Harm. Hey, Magical Misfits, it's Kate and Ivy, and welcome to Atonement for Me. So, let's hop into some pretty dark content, because I'm in my nice, cheerful, fun glittery outfit so it totally matches my subject of self-harm as usual and it's one of those things that has kind of been synonymous with my brand since I debuted it to the world and I've been talking a lot about my struggles with self-harm over the years on multiple different platforms and to a lot of people individually and I guess it's time we explored that a little bit more. Self-harm is such a strange thing to admit to, to yourself and to other people, because it doesn't necessarily make sense. You're hurting yourself on purpose. That's something that we all try to avoid at all costs. So it seems like it's going against our better nature to want to do that. And it's something that took me years to recognize as a part of my life. Because when we think of self-harm, we're often talking about in the context of suicide or cutting yourself, really hurting yourself physically, but it's not always so dramatic. I started self-harming when I was a kid because I didn't feel like I mattered and that I was worth or that I deserved nice things or good things to happen to me. I felt that I needed to punish myself because I didn't feel good enough. And it's such a strange process to go through as a child because you're punishing yourself and it wasn't a crazed seven-year-old with a knife. It was little six-year-old me sleeping on the floor because it was hard and it was cold and I felt that I didn't deserve to sleep in bed. Or turning the lights on to make it more difficult for me to sleep because I didn't feel that I should. I felt that by depriving myself of certain comforts, it would it would somehow make the worthlessness that I felt make sense because I was physically equating to a state of mind. 
And that grew with me to being a teenager and actually cutting myself. And I would use razor blades or scissors or knives or protractors, anything that I could get my hands on that was a sharp edge. And I would just do little cat scratch slices on my legs. And I wouldn't let anybody see because I didn't want anybody to know. But every cut at that point made me feel relief. And it's actually scientifically releases the same endorphins as when you're running. So you're used to that high. And I was on the track team and I was addicted to running, but I was also addicted to self-harm because things could be spiraling out of control for me in my life or me in my head. And the one thing that I could control was that release, that cut. And sometimes like my vision would actually be blurred. I was so upset and I was so anxious or I was just so overwhelmed. And as soon as I cut myself, I felt like I could breathe again. It was like doing drugs. It, you know, it's wrong, but it helps you function and you can't get away from it because it's a habit that you formed. And that's your way of coping. That's your way of dealing. And that loss of control by being overwhelmed or scared or anxious, you're in control of that release. You're the one who's doing that damage. And it was some little way. It was something that was just mine. I went to counseling for that as a teenager, and it's something that I've definitely been aware of since I was a teenager, but that doesn't mean that it stopped for me there. I might not have instantly thought to pick up a knife or a scissors or something sharp, but that feeling of worthlessness and that that need to be punished for not being worthy stayed with me. And I would self-harm in other ways. I would purposely not eat or do drink too much or do drugs or sabotage relationships or forming terrible relationships. Those are all things that I have done and I've knowingly done some of them to hurt myself. And it's 
the hardest thing to admit to yourself when you're so addicted to it that you're the one you're unhappy with. You're angry with yourself, so you need to punish yourself. And that's not something that a lot of people want to face in themselves. So they don't acknowledge that slightly masochistic part of themselves. And so I haven't cut myself for years. And it has taken me years and years and years to get rid of the majority of my self-harm scars all the way up my legs, on my arms. Sometimes in pictures you can see them. Just little whispers, almost like lace, all the way up my skin. But they're almost a roadmap of the struggles that I've gone through. And people often ask me how I can be so cheerful or take so much joy in little things. It's because so many things have happened that weren't joy. And I reveled in the pain because it was all that I knew. And being on the other side of that rediscovering all the things that had been overlooked is amazing. It's miraculous. It's magical. It's important to me to take them in and not turn it into something morbid or macabre. I know a lot of people who struggle with addiction, whether it be substance abuse or eating disorders. Those are all within the umbrella of self-harm because we know what we're doing to ourselves. We know the end results but we're determined to follow along that path. And I know I gave a lot of people a hard time when I was struggling along that path. And I snapped at a lot of people and I was unkind to many people. And to those people, I am truly, truly sorry because you cared and you extended yourself when you knew I was having uh, such a hard time. But hurt people hurt people. And I was in so much pain then, mentally and emotionally that I lashed out. And I couldn't see how damaging I was to myself 
because I was consumed by it. The same way any addiction consumes. It poisons. It controls. It manipulates you. It changes the way you think. So when you see someone who struggles with addiction or self-harm or are really struggling with mental health issues or just a difficult time in general, you may notice that they try to punish themselves. And it's not because they don't know what they're doing. It's because everything is spun so insanely out of control for them that they're grasping at the only thing that they feel that they can control. And I really only noticed this or realized this or started to actually think about this in myself when I was just out of my teens. I was just in my early 20s and my partner at the time had custody of his nieces and nephews and his nephew was six and he was really, really struggling with all the traumas that he'd experienced in his six-year-old life. And he was crying one night and he was saying he didn't deserve anything and he wanted to die. A six-year-old. <laughs> in so much pain, they didn't want to go on. And it was the middle of winter and he took off his shoes and coat and went and sat outside in the cold because he was in so much pain he felt that was all he deserved and he was only six and everybody was freaking out and couldn't understand why and why would he do something like that and this is crazy for a child and But I knew why. I'd been that child too. I'd had that haunted look and I'd been depriving myself of safety and comfort when I was young as well. Because as a child, that's all the control that I had over issues that were so much bigger than me that I couldn't understand or deal with or even verbalize. And it was so overwhelming that I took it out on myself the same way he did. So it's not always being emo and slicing yourself with a razor blade. can be an eating disorder.
or obsessively exercising or a string of self-destructive nights at the club or bringing home random people so you don't have to face the commitment of just one person seeing who you truly are. Those are all examples of self-harm. And I'm aware of that in my life and it's a struggle all the time to keep my head above the water, to not consciously go down those roads, to not spin wildly out of control because that's how I feel. And you'll see a lot of illusion in my designs to blood or bleeding because it's been such a part of what has formed me, what has driven me, what I've overcome. And that's just the tea. <laughs>